Storygram Network. Folks, save the date. Trash and Fashion Sonoma is back in April 2023. And this year, the Trash and Fashion Runway Show is on April 22nd, actual Earth Day. Also coming back, Trash and Barbie's Gallery and Auction opening April 13th. And the Trash Bash and Dogs on the Catwalk on April 29th. <laughs> Gerardo laughs, but it is a fun no, experience. No, I, I was here last year. It was really fun. It was really fun taking pictures. It's great. So when you hear this, mark your dates, save those dates. But what's happening right now is applications are open for Trash and Fashion Outfits, as well as Barbie applications and Dogs on the Catwalk which you can find all on our Sonoma Community website, sonomacommunitycenter.org slash trash and fashion or events. You will find it. Get your applications. And I hope everybody's thinking about their outfit now. Hey, you know how much it costs? We're not there yet. Mm. But we do have sponsors. This is a really fun community event. So check out. I'm looking for artists right now. Share the word. Barbies are open to the entire age ranges and the actual trash and fashion show is open to students and adults nine plus. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I like it. Turn your trash into treasure, folks. Hello, we are the Sonoma Community Center podcast, a place of creativity, connection, and community. We highlight the artists, teachers, and the community that come through the doors of our historic brick building, often called the heart of Sonoma. We share local tips and shout outs to our home, Sonoma Valley. And we are your host, Molly Spencer. Gerardo Diaz. We are the engagement team of the Sonoma Community Center. Hello, Dan. Hello, hello. It's been forever, Molly. Nice to see you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> We're super excited to have you on our podcast today because you are the man that was here that can really tell the whole story about Scream. So tell us about yourself. Okay. Well, it was interesting. I moved here back in 1990 and I got the job at the community center. I figured it'd be a neat way to meet a lot of people and make a lot of fun connections. And yeah, I was here for four years and had a fun time. Early 90s, right? You got it. Early, they got me young. Early 90s, they sure did. So when you were here, I know lots of things have happened. It was kind of like a heyday in the 90s. A lot of things happened here. I was here as well at that time, but mostly seeing bands like Green Day, Primus, all that kind of totally. stuff. So these 90s stories are really coming out of the woodworks, which is Fantastic. You know, we're celebrating our 70th birthday. And one of the biggest moments that we didn't realize, and you probably didn't realize, is that Scream was filmed here and put us on the map. Tell us a little bit about what were you doing at the time? You said you were. Yeah. So, yeah. So, my official title was Assistant Executive Director even though we didn't have an executive director. So okay, I had a big yeah. fancy title, but uh, I was an assistant to nobody. So anyways, <laughs> it was uh, Ken Brown and I, the two of yeah. us were basically running the show. 
And I was booking the rooms and I was uh, handling the uh, staff and all of that kind of fun stuff. And anyways, one day I saw in the Santa Rosa Press Democrat that a film was supposed to be shot in Santa Rosa. And at the last minute, the uh, school district had pulled out and I kept reading the story and it's like, hmm, the building that they wanted to use is an old schoolhouse and we're an old schoolhouse and that one had columns and red brick and this one has red (laughs) columns and brick. And the article really made a big deal about this was like the final scenes of the movie and the entire production was being put on hold until they could find a new location. And so, so you read it in the paper. I read it in the paper. Yeah. And savvy that you are, because I know you, Dan, <laughs> you jump right on that. So did you reach out to a production company? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I did my research. I found out because in the article, it said who the production company was. And then I then found out who the scout was for that company. And it Shows how long ago it was, because we didn't Google things back then, (laughs) so it wasn't as easy. But anyways, I reached out, and they sent out a guy, and we walked the property, and he seemed interested. Mm -hmm. He said, okay, let me come back with my boss. Then he bought his boss, and then that guy brought his boss. And so (laughs) here it was. We'd done three tours of the building And I hadn't mentioned anything to the board of directors because it was just, in my opinion, me having a conversation with some people. And I don't know. I was just looking at opportunities. (laughs) (laughs) And then came negotiation time, right? Well, yeah. Well, here's the funny thing. So we had the multiple visits by the different people, and I still had not said anything to the board of directors. And then... The last person I met with said that Wes Craven wanted to come see the property. That's when I thought, "Uh oh, maybe I should go to the board (laughs) and tell them what I'm doing. But then I kind of thought, you know what, before I get them all nervous and excited and all weirded out, let me just first see if anything is going to come of it, because who knows, maybe... Wes Craven's going to say that, no, this is not what I want. You know, I don't want it. So anyways, so Wes Craven came and it was so funny. I'm thinking, I hope none of the board members walk in to the building when I'm walking down the hall with this guy that I think people know what he looks like, you know? So it's like, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, now they do. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't wearing his Freddy Krueger sweater right. or anything well, like that. Probably not. For no. Filling out the location. No, no. Although that would be pretty eccentric. Oh, that's something. <laughs> Good story. God. So, yeah. So, anyway, so he walked through and he totally liked it and we hit it off and everything. And so then that's when I thought, okay, now I need to go take this to the board and tell them what's going on. Yeah. And so that's when it got interesting. So that's when it got interesting. So next steps... Contracting. I I think you might have mentioned was the board not very excited about it or what were their thoughts on it? No, no. It was interesting. You know, I was raised in a family where we had a small business and we would always be hit up by various nonprofits for donations. And, you know, my family is of the attitude of, you know, yeah, we will definitely donate to a nonprofit. But then if you find out that that nonprofit had an opportunity to make money on their own Mm -hmm. and turn down that opportunity, 
wow, you know, here just we're donating money and then they had the ability to make it themselves and they didn't even take that opportunity. It's kind of hard to hit up people for donations when you don't even try to make money yourself, you know? So uh, anyways, I thought it was a great opportunity, but almost half the board disagreed with me and they felt it was kind of selling out. It was not good for the image of the community center. I think all in all, you know, it sounds like it kind of mirrored how Santa Rosa Board of Education felt. I don't think people really knew, and how would they know that Scream was of a different, it's the same genre, but he was always making slasher films. Right. So up till then, now it's like a psychological drama and basically changed the direction of movie making in that horror, so-called horror yeah, genre. Yeah, yeah. So understood, but so let's go to the good stuff. You went for it. I went for it. Negotiated a contract. Yep. So the board, it was funny. I had to take it to the board and try to get the board to agree to even allow me to negotiate with the film company. And at that Mm -hmm. point, there no dollar amounts had even been mentioned at that point. It was simply, can Daniel, this 20-something-year-old, go and uh, start negotiating with whatever it was, Miramax or whoever the company was? And so anyways... I ended up basically uh, being a bit of a lobbyist and I went to the different board members and I knew this board member was into music. And so I said, if I can get you to vote my way, we can earmark a certain percentage of the funds for the music program. You're into pottery. We can earmark a certain amount. And so anyways, I kind of was a lobbyist and uh, was able to get the majority of the board to all vote my way. And so I had to make a whole lot of people happy just to be able to let me move forward with even having that conversation. Yeah. Now this sounds like some real movie making business, even here in Sonoma. It's like, no matter where you are, whatever field you're in. And I think the listeners don't know that you're like Mr. Real Estate. (laughs) We can get into that. But Dan is quite finding his talents at the community center that then manifested in town. I mean, you're Mr. Sonoma. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was cool. And it was interesting because I had fun negotiating the deal. It felt good for me knowing that you know I was going to have an opportunity to help fill the coffers of this nonprofit that yeah. had always been struggling. We had a mortgage. We were always making the minimum payments. I studied business finance and economics. Mm-hmm. And growing up, my parents had a lawnmower shop. So at age eight or nine, I was learning how to sell lawnmowers and you know, if somebody didn't want to necessarily buy that next model up, I'd say, OK, how about if we do this? I'll sell you this model up and we'll throw in a free bag of fertilizer and we'll deliver the lawnmower tonight. Yes. So I learned how to negotiate. And so it was kind of fun to get back into that. And so then I got to do it with the film company. Yeah, we are a nonprofit still. And there's as much importance as running arts programming and being a community center in somewhere for everywhere to come and feel welcome as having someone that's on the business side, knowing that to protect this building and keep it going. So thank you for that. So you've made the deal. I think it was 1996, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was 96. Yeah. So yeah. So they, they offered a certain amount. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing was since they were just dealing with this 20 something year old that just worked for a nonprofit, I think they thought that they were just like, whatever they offered, we were just going to say, yeah, we'll take it. (laughs) And so, but I was super, super nice. And the dollar amount that they offered, I said, rather than that being the use of the building for that whole period of time, I see that more as the daily rate. So anyways, 
I was able to get them up in price. So ultimately, in the end, I got seven times what they originally offered. Seven times. You're, you're going to hear a hand high better one right now. <laughs> so I love to hear that. <laughs> so it was, but it was super neat because, you know, here it is. I was able to get enough money from the film company to be able to pay off the mortgage. Okay. I was able to uh, give the film company the ability to finish this movie that was probably costing them a whole lot of money every day that it wasn't in production. Yeah. I also was able to get all of the tenants in the building into other buildings for those days of filming. I was going to ask you next steps, like getting down to, because there's always so much going on, programming, mm -hmm. whatever it is. I, I think it's even fuller now than it probably was back then. But you also, people weren't misplaced. Yep. You just put them out yep. and then brought them back. How long was filming anyway? They were here for about a week. It was, oh, uh, that's it. Yeah, it was just yeah. a week. Yeah, yeah so... Not one single class got canceled. Yeah. Not one single tenant went without having their normal scheduled class at their normal time. So I reached out to the women's club, yes. the vets building. Back oh, in the day, my mom and dad used to own Little Switzerland at the time. Yes, so look that up. <laughs> that place is amazing. Yeah so, uh, yeah, so when I wasn't working at the community center, I was bartending at yeah. Little Switzerland. And so anyway, so I got my mom and dad to let, I think it was... Uh, one of the exercise classes go okay. do their exercise class on the dance floor at Little Switzerland. So by chance was it Jazzercise at I, that time? I think it was Phyllis, okay, yeah. Phyllis? Yeah, yeah. Phyllis, oh, yeah. Oh, Phyllis Gurney. Yep. Love yep. her. So yeah, it was neat because the whole community, I just like started making phone calls and it's like, yeah, I'm gonna figure this out somehow. Okay, I've yeah. got them on the hook now for the money. I've got the days. Now yeah. I just have to figure out how do I get X number of tenants into how many other locations? But it's like, it'll all work itself out. I'll figure it out. It does work itself out. <laughs> so they're here for a week. Were you here on the premises when they were doing the shooting? Oh, big time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. So seeing a lot of the action hookup, I mean, that must have been pretty exciting. It was super and cool. It was fun. But here's the funny thing. You, know, yeah. you look at them doing a film. There's just so much downtime between shoots. It's like they do the shot. And then they have to redo it. Then they redo it. Then they redo it. And it's like, oh, my God, three hours to do a five-minute scene. Yes. Then they go with the bullhorn. Everybody has to be quiet. So everybody, like, stands still. <laughs> and they do the shot over and over and over. But the fun thing, though, is, yeah, I got to meet all of the cast. And it was cool because all of the cast and all the production people knew that they were kind of screwed until this location came along. So yeah. here I am, I get to be like, whoa, you're the guy. And so- Wait, I, do you have, is there any end of filming wrap-ups? Did you hang out with Ned Campbell or did you take him out and show him the town, Dan? Even better. It was nice. They invited me to the wrap party. So it was fun. It was, the wrap party was in Santa Rosa. And I thought uh -huh. the funniest thing was, the rap party was in Santa Rosa. They had a band and it was super wild and super fun. <laughs> I was there from start to finish. I saw the whole party. I was part of the whole party. And then like a few days later in the National Enquirer, <laughs> yeah, there was a story about the rap party and how a certain actress who we'll say is maybe a friend of someone, or she's friends with, uh, <laughs> with uh, people. Hint. Yeah, hint, hint, that she had done something bad at the uh, rap party. And it's like, 
dude, I was there at the rap party. I was drinking beer with her. I know that that didn't even happen. It didn't happen. So I then knew that the National Enquirer could no longer be trusted as my news source. (laughs) The paper. (laughs) That's right. That's it. (laughs) Filming here during location, you and I both have like mutual friends. Emmy and Abe that uh-huh. were extras in the movie. Uh, some of them don't even remember that time. They're like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. But how yeah. was that? A lot of the community was pulled in for extras, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to remember. I remember I just like called all of my friends and I'm like, yeah, we just like need random people that look like they could be in high school. I and, kind of uh, remember that because I think I got that call, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe thought I was too cool for school or I probably was working. I'm always working, which is really funny. So. So, yeah, I was here the whole time and it was my thing since I only won the vote by one vote to get okay. the board to agree. So I had ha- thank nearly you that one vote. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Uh, and that money was earmarked to her pet project. But anyways, yeah, so all eyes were on me. I had basically half the board just watching to make sure that everything went exactly as smooth as I said it was going to. So yeah, I was here at like five o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night the whole time just to make sure that everything was going exactly as it was supposed to. What was it like seeing upstairs? So most of the scenes are upstairs at the community center. There's two floors here and it was transformed. Were there lockers originally still there from school before they came in? No, here's the funny thing. So we um, didn't have lockers upstairs, but they needed to have lockers to make it look like a high school. So the film company bought the lockers and had them installed. They were just leaning up against the wall. And so me, the Wheeler dealer, (laughs) I asked them if they wanted to uh, take the lockers with them. And they said they really didn't have a need for them. So while they were doing their filming, I reached out to a certain gym that I thought would maybe need the lockers or be willing to buy them. So I ended up selling the lockers to a gym here in Sonoma County. So those lockers were brought here for the filming. I said, if you want to leave them, you can leave them. And as soon as they left them, I sold them to a gym in Sonoma County. We try to look in there sometimes like, is that the same desk? Is that the same bench? And I think they're similar, but I think a lot of that Stuff was cleared out pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. You ended up with one black memento oh, of yeah. filming, right? Yep. So if you come to the Sonoma Community Center and you walk on up the front stairs, you look to the right, there is a plaque, a historic plaque for the Sonoma Community Center that Kathleen Hill wheeled and dealed and got herself. So we are a historical landmark. Well, what did you get, Dan? Well, (laughs) (laughs) and if you don't know, you know, Sonoma Community Center is Woodsboro High. But I think if you're listening, you're already well aware of that. Yeah. So they they called it Woodsboro High. So they covered up the big sign at the top of the building. Yeah, they covered the community center sign with Woodsboro High. And then to the right where the plaque is that we have now, they put a fake plaque that said Woodsboro High 1926 or whatever. And so anyway, so the film company gave it to me as a gift. And so I kept it and it's on loan and can be seen. Yes. So thank you so much, Dan. So, you know, this really wraps up. This is a part of a long series for our 70th year as a community center. 
and we're having a show exhibit of many touchstone moments that have happened here at the community center. So we will have a photo of that plaque up here at the show. So please come see it. I think it's best that it's not the original plaque that's here, although I get to touch it. It's mm-hmm. very exciting. Right? <laughs> I get to spend some time with it for the weekend. Come and see this. I know for years after this, and I know you didn't have, know the impact that it had, but every year more and more screen fanatics show up. One time I was teaching Teach Ballet here. It's a Saturday morning. There's a bunch of little girls, little tutus showing up, and here comes two busloads, right? Two busloads of screen fanatics, some of them wearing the mask, some of them not, and they're running all over the building. They're in the downstairs bathroom recreating the scene. They're like coming up to the dance studio. It's the same hallway recreating the scene. It was actually really fun. I love it. And every year about Halloween, you know, people come on on up and and visit. How funny. I mean, thank you for making kind of a a pretty big impact and putting us here. It was funny because the timing of it also was right after Drew Barrymore because she was in the film also. Right. Drew Barrymore had been on David Letterman. Oh, and she, she did the dancing on the table. Yeah, she turned yes. her back to the audience and she flashed him. I she lifted that. her shirt and flashed him. And so, you know, he made the big crazy eyes, but we, of course, knew what she just did. <laughs> so anyways, that was one of the arguments when I was debating the board. What if Drew Barrymore pulls a stunt like she did on David Letterman? And I'm like, what? She's going to like go flash the ducks at the duck pond? Come on now. It's so funny that those type of things, people were a lot more, well, you're just a more reserved these days. People seek those out and do those just to get attention and media attention. So it's interesting. Times have changed. Times have changed. <laughs> but not a lot. Not a lot. If you come here at the community center, there's it's still kind of the same. We're always trying to get these programs up and running and be a space for people to to come and 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 just belong. And we have some incredible events coming up, trash and fashion and chili bowl. But more importantly, the 70th exhibit is something pretty near and dear to a lot of locals and we hope to share it with not just locals but everyone and beyond yeah so, no sounds like fun definitely and anything else you want to tell us about the sweet deal i'm trying to think what else it was kind of funny though after i left here you know today walking in yeah. it was so weird just walking into this building smelling the smell of an older building takes you back to old memories it's like I used to live a block away I'd walk to work and I'd come in here and that's where my desk used to be and then now here it is I come here every Thursday for the real estate meeting oh that's right yeah in room 110 and see I still remember the room numbers you know I can still remember who the tenants were and all that stuff but anyways it's weird for me to sit in that room and be like whoa I was the guy that had to set up the tables and chairs when the table and chair guy didn't show up. And I'm now someone who's sitting at the table. It's like, wow, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of nostalgia. That's the magic when you walk into this place, because even just the architecture and, you know, you sell houses, the way it was designed is set up that when you come here and you're young or you're really small, it, the ceilings are so high. You just don't get that feeling when you walk into places anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the magic of bringing people back here. You're like, oh. Yeah, no, I mean, it's I mean, it's such an asset to the community. How many communities have something like this where everybody can come together? 
and have a space. Like I just, I thought it was so neat when I started working here. It's like, okay, someone's into knitting. They can do a knitting class. You know, somebody else is into this. Even in my business, I tell people there's a real sense of community. You will not feel like a stranger for very long. All you do is just go to the community center, sign up for a couple classes, go to a couple events. There you'll meet people. So yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's a super important asset to the community. And I remember, you know, it doesn't sustain itself all by itself. You know, it needs supporters, you know, people need to show up and they need to attend events. And it's not just saying, I love the place, but show it by showing up and supporting it. It's always the message, folks. And she wasn't even holding up (laughs) cue cards. I was not reading a thing. I am now holding up cue cards that says, subscribe, please. That also contributes. (laughs) It's so to hear more stories like this. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories. My pleasure. Thank you for including me. And I'm super happy that I was able to be a part of this. Yeah. And if you're looking for a house in Sonoma... Call Daniel Casabon, 939-2222. And if you can't remember that number, I'm on the face of every shopping cart, Safeway. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. Hey, Molly, so what's going on right now? I know we have an event on uh, February 25th, huh? It's a big one. We're back in person. The Chili Bowl Express is a ceramics and Sonoma Community Center fundraiser. And we're finally back in February. Nice. Last year was uh, May or something? Yes, it was to go. And then it was canceled during COVID. This is a really fun, low-key daytime community connection. February 25th. Tickets are available now. There's three seatings, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., and 5 p.m. dinner, which also gets you... I think like a a cocktail as well as a cup. There's availability for that. So that's going to be super fun. So are we going to have any type of uh, music or anything? We'll have music and a lot of the chili is always donated from very great chefs in town, as you know. So we are excited for everybody to come out and join us. What else will we do that day? I don't know. I can't remember what are we doing that day. Yeah, I know we're having... Chili people are coming in, eating chili, and, you know, I'm new at this thing. I, this yeah. is my first year, I think, doing it, to be honest. Chili's fun. The Chili Bowl is just a really low-key celebration. Yeah, so yeah. if you're from out of town, you're not doing anything that day, book a ticket. Come it's on by. It's for everyone, right? It's, it's an for open everyone. Thing. The Sweet. whole building is open. And the tickets are super cheap, too, so that's what I heard. I think, you know, throw down a couple of 20s and come and have a good time yeah. at the Chili Bowl. Plus, you get a nice ceramic bowl, too, right? You get a ceramic bowl, and you get a bowl of chili couple of wipes to make sure that that you don't have to walk around with the dirty ball yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if That's you're interested funny. this is as i said a really big fundraiser for the ceramics program as well as sonoma community center if you are interested in sponsorships and hearing your business support the chili bowl on our podcast as well as other media outlets please reach out to us Otherwise, come and join our community at the Chili Bowl. Come and join and leave your donations, too. We take donations all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Sonoma Community Center, how are you guys doing? We got Gerardo Diaz. Molly Spencer. And then our best friend today from Ceramic Department, we got... Meg Billingham. Megan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on today. Hello, Megan. Good. Nice Thursday morning. Hey, uh, Molly, what's up? You were kind of late today, huh? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be a little typical, but you know, a long time ago, I 
have a friend that, that came and I'm like, hey, our 10 minutes late is 20 minutes early in our book. Not professional, <laughs> but, you know, we're always, I'm always trying to squeeze things in. So Yeah, you're on Mexican time, you know, Mexican time. So <laughs> you're always late. <laughs> oh, good. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I know. I think I'll do well in a more relaxed country, but that can wait because <laughs> there's so many busy things happening around here. Yep. And I'm super excited to have Mike Billingham to do more in-depth interview. You were on the end of the show. I think it was like episode five mm-hmm. when we had the cast party, puppet party. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that was great. The experimental show. And so <laughs> now the Sonoma Ceramics Department has been... Well, we're kind of going backwards. We're actually having a 70th birthday gallery show. And part of this show is really exploring a lot of stories from the past. And last time we had Tom Collins on, who was the founder. And then it's had many different inceptions and it's grown huge. And you inherited this big program. But before we launch into what Sonoma Ceramics is about and what you inherited and what we're doing and what you're planning Let's hear your story. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? Sure. I uh, grew up not too far from here, just a couple hours east in the foothills uh, in Grass Valley, a little small town tucked away in the mountains. And I'm the youngest of three, so I'm the baby of the family. So you have brothers, sisters? Got an older brother, an older sister. Yeah, my sister's the oldest. And we're now all for the first time in like a decade living back in California. Wow. So that is exciting. We've really been all over the place. All the stoners right now are going, grass belly, man. (laughs) (laughs) I actually didn't hear of grass belly until, you know, until I drove up by there. That kind of surprises me. Me too. It's such a hub for specifically the music world. I mean... So yeah. many names love to go hang out really? there in Grass Valley. Willie Nelson loves it. Wow. I mean, we were, I was just back there last weekend. Like yeah, Kishi Willie Nelson Gashi was playing. It. I mean, it, musicians like to yeah. come through that space. So, huh. I know a little bit because I do fly fishing through that area. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a river there, but I've never been there. What rivers? What's the yeah, main so river? Kind of I think it does the Sacramento River. Mm-hmm. It could be Juba, the Juba yep. River. It's just tucked away in this magic little pocket where we've got both forks of the Yuba. We've got South Fork, the American River, Middle Fork, the American River. We're super close to the Sacramento River. It's, I mean. Girl, you know what I need? I need a little bit more dry creek. Let me get down there to Sonoma <laughs> County. There's no water. It's not dry yeah. anymore right. with this rain. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Let's hope it keeps up. So did you go to school up there? So what was your childhood like? Like yeah, growing absolutely. up, what were your interests? I imagine you running idyllically around the rivers, <laughs> you know, through, yeah. through the grass. Like a 70s childhood in the you know, 90s, Not 2000s. too far off. I um, grew up really outside. I actually found recently, you know, when you're like in like third grade, I was back home and I was going through old K through five files that I had of art and stuff. And you know, when you're like star student asks you what you want to be when you grew up and what I wanted to be when I grew up when third grade was that I wanted to do yoga and make art. And I was like, Hey man, I'm doing pretty good. There you go. We, we yeah. fulfill yeah. those pretty dreams, right? Check those things off the list. I know. It feels pretty wow. good. But yeah, I was outside all the time. I feel super lucky to have grown up in an area where, you know, both sides of my family are pretty close. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a big family, but every holiday was together Every holiday was outside. Both sets of grandparents were around not too far away. We were playing in the rivers, 
Well, I grew up in an area around a lake. So I grew up in an area called Lake of the Pines. And so, you know, every 4th of July, I was out on the pontoon boat, roping boats together, looking at the fireworks. Wow. I'm That's having nice. like visions and, yeah. too. and jealousy visions. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fishing. I just see her rowing, you know, yep. like... A lot of fishing. I love swimming pond. in lakes. That's my favorite. Oh, yeah, favorite. you're a swimmer, mm-hmm. huh, Molly? I am a swimmer. Not mm-hmm. as good as you. That opens up our <laughs> next question because I'm an amateur swimmer, but I do love swimming. I don't know. You're swimming more than I am these days. But. I don't know. I think we need to have a swimming that. competition. It's been really game, you know? cold. I don't even know what those numbers, like the clock means. Meg, nah, maybe you can you fill that it. in. I go my own back float <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, sure. Part of growing up in that town was definitely joining the swim team. So especially oh, wow. being the, the youngest of three, I yeah. was just sort of like chucked into the pool as soon as I could be because my older brother and sister were already swimming. And I started swimming really young. So I, I started doing summer league really, really young, like three, it four. reminds me. Now that she says that, like, it reminds me when I was swimming. The first time I swam here, it was at the Sonoma Creek here in town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember like all my brothers were all swimming and his friends. And I'm just looking at him because I was afraid. It was so oh, deep. Yeah. So my brother's like, you want to learn how to swim, buddy? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, here we go. Yeah. Push me oh, in. One way to learn. Yes. I, had a, I, well, I started swimming like a little dog, you know, I'm like. Yeah, yeah. Just like <laughs> the survival swim. Yeah, and then after the that, I'm like, battle. oh, if I can do this, I can do it all the time. So yeah. I just swim like a dog until I was 18. Well, there's a spot you know? in town. Was it the Larson Park spot? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know about so, this. Oh, Larson Park used to be cool. It's really cool. When the water is actually high it enough high. in the spring and it's flowing, it's kind of clean and it has a rope swing. I mean, yep. it's definitely not deep like a lake or oh, other dang. spots, but Let me tell you, the community still comes out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been shoot. out there. You got to take me out there. I haven't yeah, been. Yeah. Let's right hope now, more well, rain. Right now the water is like yeah. to your maybe ankles or and something. And there's a dam <laughs> it's not that okay. there, so it's, yeah. you know, you got to Well, there used it. to be oh, another dang. spot over uh, San Francis. All the way, yeah. We tucked in there, Agua yes. Caliente, and they used to be a like a little hill where we used to like dive into it. It was so oh. deep, and you oh, can see that. like steelhead and stuff. You know, there yeah. was a lot of fish. Not yeah, anymore. yeah, yeah. I heard there was steelhead not that long ago, yeah. but there was a beaver that actually built a dam up the way. Oh, so no we way. haven't seen. Wow. Saw like one miracle Sabotage. steel fish. <laughs> steelhead. I looked right on there like got mosquito six fish years now. ago. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So Grass Valley and swimming and. You're making art. Mm-hmm. What's kind of your jam when you're young, yeah, when you're a teenager? Transition. She's still young. I, oh, I know. Oh, I know. She's a young <laughs> I got told the other day, I got asked by somebody, I was checking in at a volunteer place and they were like, you're not an adult, are you? And I was like, <laughs> unfortunately, I <Yeah>. am. <laughs> Show me your ID. Getting into swimming, it was always sort of swimming and art. You know, my mom was our art docent growing up and in our K through five. And so she was coming in once a month and teaching art lessons to my class. So I always sort of grew up around that. And then for a long time, swimming was really, I was a competitive swimmer year round all the way through high school. That really consumed a lot of my life and was really my community and where I was getting a lot of my support and my work ethic from. But then in tandem, I was starting to develop these, I always had this artistic outlet. I sort of always knew from a very young age that that was what was going to be what I pursued. Depending on what that looked like, I didn't know. But I always knew I I wanted to go to art school. I had the privilege of just sort of watching my brother and sister go through what that college application process looked like. And oh, yeah. So I was like touring colleges when I was in middle school because of my older siblings. So by the time it came around <laughs> to me, I was like, I know this route and I know what I want to do and Super I know what I don't want to do. So where did you land? So I landed at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. 
Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's where I ended up. I knew I didn't really want to be in California. I wanted to go out of state experience something. I was super lucky to have parents that supported that and, and also supported the fact that I was like, hey, I'm going to art school. And, yeah. you know, and that's big. I, both of my parents are in the medical field. A lot of my family is. And so that divestment from that world and it wasn't a thing. It was just supported. Which Were was they? Huge. Yeah, that's interesting because I was going to say there's the parents that expect you to kind of follow that path. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there's the parents, it sounds like you said your mom was an art docent and you come from this medical world, but maybe sometimes there's these unfulfilled dreams of Mm -hmm. direction that they didn't take Mm -hmm. that they're willing to support their children to take. Yeah. And the Latino and the Latino community would be like, do you have a backup? Plan? Yeah. Be like, yeah. Oh. Like, uh, it's, that's just for hobby, right? So yeah, you have how, a real how are you going to make money? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Rinielle had mentioned that our artists and residents, mm-hmm. and I think that's got a, <laughs> well, it's got a lot to do, you know, yeah. with the immigration here and kind of making it and making sure how are you going to support oh yourself? Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. huge. I mean, it was a huge privilege to even have that support from them. And you know, my both of my dad's parents were physicians, very intellectual, cerebral people. My dad yeah. is an ER doctor. My mom's a pediatric physical therapist. My sister's a pediatrician. I mean, wow. it's, <laughs> it's like everybody. But what it, it created was this like magical, weird. I feel like I'm not doctor by association, but I feel like I grew up in a family. <laughs> all these like our dinner table conversations were like, I have all this weird tangential language now about the body because of the uh, family that I grew up yeah. in. And so when I started making work, I was making a lot of work about the body. All my high school oh, no portfolios way. were about the body. And then I was like, I discovered this thing in high school at the end of my senior year because we had a senior project. I don't think they do those anymore. You had to like shadow. I think they still do, do it. They do yeah, them? they still do the senior project. They have, do they? like, my daughter does it in eighth grade. She had to do like a photographer. Like, she had to like, okay. go and meet a photographer and teach her how to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your it. era was. It, it was definitely happening. It wasn't when I was around in high school, yeah, but well, I, okay. I love that, like, that you have to focus on I had on to do something. a full shadow yeah. situation, like mock interviews, the whole shebang. And so I discovered the space in my town called the Neighborhood Center of the Arts, and it was an art center for adults with disabilities. And oh. that was like, oh my God, this magic culmination where I could utilize this tangential knowledge that I have for my family about the body and interacting with people and engaging with people and this passion for art that I have. And that was like this huge moment of connection for me between my family's background and and what I could do. And and I sort of credit that also with falling in love with ceramics because it's such a bodily. Is Chicago where you kind of, oh, this is the medium that I'm really drawn to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got to Chicago and I was actually stuck. I was like, I'm going to do photography and drawing. (laughs) And as most people do, they'd like flip around. Everything changes when you get to college. Oh, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. And and my (laughs) school didn't have majors or minors. So you could like self-focus. And so I ended up actually coming into ceramics after some time off. I took a little bit of time off of college and then came back and sort of fell into ceramics. And it was pretty coincidental that I ended up falling into ceramics out in the Midwest because it's a major hub for especially functional pottery out in the Midwest and the greater Midwest and Chicago as well. Maybe explain to maybe not necessarily people that know about ceramics, kind of the world of potters, functional ceramics versus sculpture. And just a a brief touchdown on that because you are the hub up in Chicago and upstate New York of 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ceramics has a, a massive history. It's found in every population that we have, especially starting in indigenous populations with functional pottery and really championed by women in those communities. And then we start to see over the course of history, we start to see the development of expansion beyond functional. Some of our first objects for like adornment or ritual objects, we see those being made out of clay and being honored in communities and being used for ritual purposes. So that's where we start to develop this sort of cultural, spiritual, sculptural relationship with clay that extends beyond just yeah. the functional vessel. The Incas and the Maya, they mm -hmm. all have all clays and stuff. Yeah, the fertility vessel. How old is the wheel? You know, I was talking to somebody about that yesterday. Good I actually question. need to look into it a little bit more. I don't know when the sort of our first established understanding of when the wheel started was, but manual wheels have been around for a really, really long time. Anything that a wheel that doesn't have a motor and mm -hmm. and those are still used especially in specific populations and cultures today in many different ways we have it makes me wonder like the mayans used to make all these good pottery and i'm yeah. like how do they make that pottery you yeah know? and have <laughs> yeah. the wheel you know and, yeah there's a wheel you needed to go around and you make do. that you know yeah and we we do know that like our first understanding of a wheel was basically what we now know to be like we call it a banding wheel which is just something that could spin on something else where you're still hand building you're still using coils okay. and you're still building but you have this rotational surface that you can build quicker with. Yeah. So that was sort of our transition okay. into wheel throwing with sort of momentum and centrifugal force. Oh, and man. Getting could, into what we know we now. We could do a whole show. Oh, I could oh, go yeah. on, yeah. And yeah. on and on. I mean, it relates back to how, <laughs> it, know, it's how wheels it and that shape were surrounded. It amazes me sometimes, too, when they find, like, all these foundings mm -hmm. with uh, bases and stuff that yeah. are, like, hundreds and hundreds years old that were yeah. in the ground, you the, know. Yeah, the like, true markers kept... of civilization there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's different types of clay I found oh, out yeah. working here. I know porcelain is mm -hmm. out from China. What's kind of the older clays? Does it just depend on the Natural. world? Or they're really, all kind of yeah. really dependent geologically yeah. on where you are in the world. So when okay. you talk about a porcelain, you're talking that's... about something that has really high kaolin. So that's a primary clay. It's okay. a kaolinitic clay. So it's geologically found very close to where the source of that clay was developed, right? Okay. And we know that clay is inorganic matter. It, it's decomposed rock and other mineral content, right? Yeah. Just like how we know glass is decomposed quartz. It's silica, right? That mm -hmm. yeah. And clay has silica in it. It's a pretty high content of silica. So it's decomposed rock. So that's why it doesn't melt or burn. Yeah. It doesn't burn out in in the kiln. It doesn't burn like organic matter does, like dirt does. Yeah, so that's yeah. our, our main difference between wow. clay and dirt. Dirt <laughs> is organic material, leaves and things like that. And clay is inorganic material, decomposed. Interesting. Rock. Can you get then, sick by eating clay? Because when I was little... I do you remember Mexico? There was a, there was a there was a person who was pregnant and she was craving clay and she used to pay me so mm -hmm. I can go and get clay for her. So really, and she used yeah, to eat it. it was really. <laughs> our sound <laughs> is shaking us. You know, really I, diverted, I have I have a friend who swears by there's a type of clay called bentonite and it's known to yeah. have specific properties and it's and up in the mountains here. He swears by eating a ball of bentonite to cure his hangovers. I'm telling People you, people like, have been eating clay and putting it on their faces. Come. I mean, there is bentonite clay up there. I've used it for. I oh. had a friend that lives up yep. there, and 
for the skin and stuff. And Bentonite yeah. has some very interesting properties. I, I wish I would have known. I used to bring like a bunch of clay that I used to find. I used to mm-hmm. like scrape and, and then there was like yellow clay and I used to bring yeah. it to her. I wish it would pay me by pound. Otherwise. Oh, yeah. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, there oh, you here, 10 pesos, you know. I'm yeah. like, right. So yellow clay, as opposed to something like porcelain, it's going to be really white that you got that. Yellow clay is indicative of yellow iron oxide. So it's got a different type of oxide and metal in mineral composition and usually that clay is going to be found much farther down in sort of a geologic process it's going to have traveled and sort of gathered these other particulate matters with it and sort of broke continually broken down and we call those like secondary and tertiary clays and so those are maybe not going to be as refractory so they're going to melt a little bit at a lower temperature and it's gathering all this history and it's showing it right and we know with the geologic process and breaking down of oxides right yellow oxide is just like a younger version of red iron oxide which is a younger version of black iron oxide in its history of timeline it's breaking down it's half-life it's turning into these next things i'm learning so much right now I know, oh, I know. I know. I just, I know. there's so much chem and 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 I think that that is something that I adore about clay because it's so, in the way that humans are, you know, we're this amalgamation of everything that we've carried, of our histories, of our travels, of what we could be, what we have been. Clay is doing the exact same thing. And it's like this magic material where you're, it's in both immediately malleable and tangible. You can yeah. change it immediately. It's not like wood where you got to take it to a planer mm-hmm. and you got to transform you know, you gotta the transform shape. it. Yeah. You got to make it what <laughs> you want to do. You can push it and maneuver it and it's immediately receptive and malleable in the moment yeah. and also hundreds of thousands of years old and carrying all of this history and migration and like that is so powerful i mean to hold that in your hands <laughs> and learn from it it's like really grounding yourself yes on earth and in relationship to your ancestors and your own geologic history and geographic wow. history. And now I want to sign up for a ceramic right? yeah. class. She's selling it. She's selling it for a class. Like I'm now imagining myself going like this. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. such a calming yeah. thing too. So I, I understand that whole transforming, you know, it speaks to anyone yeah. who is super young, you know, mm-hmm. two years old, one years old playing with clay on up to, yep. you know, the older community that comes in too. So I love that. And we'll have you back for more history for sure, lessons on sure. clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's get back to you. And how did you find the community center? And how did you end up in this region in Sonoma? Totally. So during college, I started doing a lot of wood firing. So that's a, a specific type of firing within a specific type of kiln where you're using wood as your fuel versus electricity or gas. Wood is, is a very intensive process. You're with the kiln the whole time. You're really working as a team. It's a really collaborative, beautiful experience. And I was doing a lot of that in the Midwest. And so... I stayed in the Midwest after college to do that for a while, working with Gary Carstens and Tab Link in, in a couple places. Tab. And I know Tab, shout out to Tab, who's I just our resident. her on uh, Instagram. It too. was just their birthday the other day. So yeah. shout out to Tab, happy birthday. Yeah. We Tab miss you. Was an artist in residence here mm-hmm. about a year ago, and really the specialists that came in and set up. What's that kiln back there? Our Julia Soda kiln. Oh, oh wow. yeah. So. Anyway, we we will have her on in the future, but yeah, they'll be back for sure. So yeah, I was working out there in the Midwest firing kilns because, you know, you can do basically whatever you want in Iowa because it's a really unregulated state. And then I, and then (laughs) I, I really just like missed mountains and I wanted to come back, really missed mountains. I wanted to be back in California with my family. And so 
moved back and that was sort of in the middle of COVID and was starting to work at a small community studio with a now friend and, and mentor, Glenn Husted, out in Penn Valley, which is like very close to where I live out in Grass Valley. And as I was doing that, I was looking at other opportunities and, and seeing where maybe I wanted to land. And I, I just cold called the community center. Really? I found you guys online. I cold called Kayla. I think I actually might have sent like an Instagram DM. I mean, it was, <laughs> and I was just like, hey, you know, I'm recently moved back. This is who I am. I'd love to come out. I see you have studio monitors. What's going on? Do you have openings? Meg, I feel like I'm having a flashback right is now. Is that what so you did? I did the social community, well, community center, especially during COVID. I did the DMs for Sonoma Community Center and Kayla would jump in on Sonoma Ceramics, but I was very aware of the conversations that came over there. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm oh remembering you, you DMing it? Kayla, <gasps> like, hey, did you reach out? Blah, 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 blah. So, oh my God. Interesting. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So that that's what I did. And she was like, something that, that I've always admired about Kayla, she just jumped on every opportunity that's there. Yeah. And so she was like, yeah, I would love to meet you, come out. So I, I drove out. I spent an afternoon out here walking around. I did a tour and then they hired me kind of on the spot for, I met Lexi for summer camps. Yeah. And oh, okay. I, and so, so that was my first job was out this here. 2021? Yeah, early 2021. Back. Yeah, exactly. It's such a weird timeline here because we kind of migrated and I think coming back first in person was 2021 yeah. with the camp. Yep. So that was like Kayla the first Stein, our ceramics director, and then mm-hmm. Lexi Bacar, youth director, and then you coming on board. Yeah. And then it was just, it snowballed from there. So I came out, I was like crashing in one of our studio monitors, amazing little airstreams on their property. And I mean, I think that was the immediate understanding here was that people were just so generous, like just the generosity I experienced from the community that was here was like, you know, I got put up. They let me stay in their Airstream. Especially in the Selma Ceramics Department. You folks really take care of each other over there. Yeah, taking care of. It's a a tight community. And, you know, I found that in ceramics in general across. If you're in ceramics, you're sort of, it's like, what's that called? It's like, what's that game? Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. It's like, you're you're always like, you're like one, you're like one person away from knowing somewhere. So I feel like six degrees of separation. And then it evolved to to that game of Kevin Bacon. Bacon. It was like, you could get to a Kevin Bacon movie through like one other movie, but. But it is very true through life. Yeah. It's like, I could go anywhere and be sort of held by the ceramic community. And, And I found that increasingly so here. And so I was just like, how do I stay I wasn't living out here yet, but I started house sitting for a lot of people. Yeah. So I would come out here for like two weeks at a time and I would house sit and I would work as a studio assistant for Kayla in her studio, learn a lot, and then started to get more involved here. Started as a private instructor. And then Miss Lexi got preggers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> baby time. It was baby time for Lexi. And mm-hmm. then the plan was for me to step in as studio coordinator while Lexi was away on maternity leave. Yes. And then as it would happen, Kayla ended up making her exit. And I, through a lot of conversations, ended up stepping in as interim director during that time. I think actually we're coming up on your one year anniversary, right? Yeah, we just hit it. Yeah. yeah, As the director. So Meg, I mean, you took on a huge role. The ceramics department is really a a very thriving program here Mm -hmm. and just restructuring to make it even more thriving as we're coming out of COVID, managing that, you know, as far as like, was it intimidating? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And I think the biggest part was the understanding and the responsibility of holding something that there's such a strong history here. Tom Collins, 
<laughs> yeah. And then we got Forrest Leash Middleton, who is now over in Petaluma, who's incredible. Yeah. And, and he, Kayla coming in. It's like the founder. Basically, Tom was the founder. Mm-hmm. We had him on the last one. Dug it up. Forrest really started the artist in residence yep. program. And then Kayla, did Chili Bowl come on with Kayla or was it a little bit before it, that? And then it was she before took it. that. Chili Bowls are not an uncommon type of fundraiser for yeah. a ceramics department and so that was happening at one point there was sort of like a salad plate situation I, going on i just looked that up <laughs> yeah. I, yeah get ready Herodo. i'm yeah. looking up all this history old columns that they did salad plate. an open house with a salad plate fundraiser i love it yeah. Yeah. maybe yeah. a spring I summer situation i want to do a caesar salad Ooh. you all know I, that caesar salad is a mexican who invented caesar salad right no know that yeah it's in tijuana there's a in Tijuana. There's a place called Cesar Salad. Okay, and oh. it's, it was invented by a guy named Cesar in oh. Tijuana. And I'm thinking it's Italian. No, 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 no. <laughs> Cesar Salad was invented by a Mexican in Tijuana. I think I was thinking you that because of the first. sardines, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah they do oh, sardines yeah. and then lime juice, mustard, and eggs. You know, you know? what's up. They mix it in a big wooden bowl too. It's oh, you cool. know, I have seen. I think I like I've it seen better those when they videos. mix it up at your table. Yes. Oh yeah, yes. real service right there. So no, it's not Italian. It's Mexican. I think the best Caesar salad around town. It used to be at Cafe Chidi in Kenwood. Now it's up in Santa oh. Rosa and put a sardine on there. But anyway, well, we're kind of getting out of time and I'd love to find out a little bit more what's happening now in Sonoma sure. Ceramics and what's but your vision? Cool. You just restructured the open studio. We just restructured open studio. So previous we had, you know, we had a hand building room and a wheel throwing room and then yes. we had classes and workshops and then sort of interspersed with that we had open studio. And so we just restructured for this year. We've expanded our open studio program to be over 60 hours a week, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Evening time, folks. Evening yeah. time. You can come and you can get your clay on. And that happens upstairs in our now member studio. We've got a great classroom downstairs where we host in workshops. We've got long format foundational classes. Wow. We've got advanced classes. We've got surface Perfect. level classes. Wonderful residents teaching amazing classes. Our new resident, Fred DeWitt. It's amazing coming to us from to- Berkeley. He's going to be teaching some amazing stuff. And... Our next big thing is Chili Bowl. That's coming up on February 25th. <laughs> bowl mania right now. Making How many bowls. bowls have you guys done? Yeah. We got to do a recount, but I want to say we're at over 500. Wow. Our goals are 800. So if you don't know, folks, this is a very beloved. We're back in Mm -hmm. February. This is where the community comes out. We have chili donated by local chefs and you get to pick at your seating. There's three seatings. Yep. And this year it's on February 25th. But the bowls that are out there from the community, you get to pick out the best bowl. Of course, there's always like my husband goes for the biggest bowl. I'm going for like parameters, the artists. And I see a Bigfoot bowl down Mm. the hall that I've got my eye on too. I love that. And there's music and there's libations and it's a true community Mm -hmm. affordable event Mm -hmm. and it funds the ceramics program and the artists in residence, right? And the artists in residence program and just keeps our uh, amazing equipment going and our programming to be able to be expanded. Another great, amazing thing about clay is it's connection to food. So it's just a chance to break bread with community. So if you're thinking about joining the ceramics department, or you want to be a part of the community center, you don't really know where to start. It's a great way to just meet. I mean, over 600 people come to this event. And so it's a great way to just get your foot in the door, eat some amazing food, get to take home some beautiful pottery and and hopefully some new friends. Yeah. Go on a tour, see what it's all about over here. 
it's good for all ages. Oh, yeah. I think many yeah. people come through here. A lot of people usually find out about the community center through events and chili bowls in a very accessible and fun event. Yeah. 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 And for those that are not ready yet, they can have a to-go option. You can have right? a to-go option. Absolutely. Yeah. So we know that we've still got folks that want to protect their health and maybe aren't quite ready to break bread elbow to elbow yet. And so not only are we having our in-person seatings this year, we're also, we've got tickets for to-go. So you can get your bowl and your chili to-go and take it home and, mm-hmm. and party on Enjoy. in the comfort of your living room. Or you can bring your party. We got tables too. Oh yeah, we got tables. (laughs) Yeah. You want to sit private tables Mm. for all of our seatings at lunch and dinner. Awesome. And dinner also includes a a special cocktail and a cup. So that's extra special situation. I have to say though, I was here for the winter art show on uh, December Yeah. and I bought two big bowls from uh, Ben. I believe Mm -hmm. it's one of your... Yeah, uh, one of our instructors, Ben Baturni. Beautiful bowl. Big Ben. Specialty is Mm -hmm. big pots. Big bowls. Yeah, Yeah, because there were just amazing. My mother-in-law is like, where do you get these bowls? Yeah. Like pozole time. Menudo. Oh. They're perfect for those, man. And beautiful. They're so beautiful. Yeah, I know. So I'm now really I'm throwing talented. away all my bowls and I'm just getting the ones yeah. from ceramics now. Well, yeah. to me, I have like five plates and then I have probably about 20 mismatched bowls. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's, <laughs> the best. That's the best. But I like it that way. Back to you. Yeah. Kind of what <laughs> would you like to do outside of ceramics and medium if mm. you could take... We have the time. We're always busy around here. But what would you like to take outside of this? I know you've done a couple of clubs here. What else would you like to see? What other fields would you like to explore in the arts here? Oh, you or mean see in classes? At community center specifically? Yeah, yeah, or outside practices as well. You know, I did a lot of performance in college as well. I have, I have a mini self minor in performance and would love to see a lot of movements in our classes. And I'm all about an interdisciplinary life and an interdisciplinary art practice. I've got tattoos on my feet that say genre fluid. Don't ever want to get stuck in just one path, one mode. And I always want people to feel like they can sort of flow between and understand that there's integrations with everything that we're doing. It's always influencing each other. And so I'd love to see, and and it's in the works, some more collaborative programming happening. What does it mean to do clay and movement together in a class? What does it mean to do writing and textiles in a class together? And how are we influencing and engaging with those different mediums as means of communication and community building. That's Beautiful. awesome. Yeah. I, I think we've started a little bit, especially oh, yeah, the partnership happening. between culinary and ceramics. Yeah. yeah. And, that's and huge. bringing in a little of the dancers for the last ceramic show, which I'm yep. really excited to see where that goes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you can also find us when we do farmer's market. We are going to have the wheel once in a while. There, oh so, yeah. The know. wheel will be out. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. that start again. Sonoma Tuesday Farmer's Market. That's the big party one, which is great. We're usually down there. It starts at the beginning of May. So it's usually oh, yeah. May yeah. until the end of yeah. September or October. And I got to tell you, it's probably the most popular thing there. Yeah. It's one oh, thing yeah. that Gerardo and I cannot do. So we, we got Gerardo's <laughs> daughter, who actually is super talented. Yeah, she's, oh my God, she's great. I know. I think wheel. I'm going to work until my 80 because she's going to be an artist. And oh, I'm yeah. afraid. I'm like, all right. So. No, no. This is the trap. This is the trap. Yeah. No, she, support she'll it. just, she'll support just it. after Meg's done, she'll be old enough <laughs> yeah. to take on Sonoma Ceramics She'll be my little department. protege. All right. Well, I'll let her know. <laughs> I, you know, we got I her always future. tell people, an artist has touched every aspect of your life. So there's jobs in the arts world. Your oh, hat, oh, your yeah. clothes, this table, these mics. A designer touched those. So. Yeah, she's my daughter. I love that girl. Aww. She's the best. Special. I love it. So yes, we'll be back there. And 
I think I'm going to wrap it up here pretty soon. But as always, Toretto always has a question for all of our guests. And is there anything mm-hmm. else you would like to share, Meg? Me? Yeah. Outside of this building, the community center? I don't think so. I feel just super excited that you guys are putting this podcast together. It's been <laughs> huge for the community. I'm loving seeing everybody stop in to be here. And the energy is palpable. And I'm well, excited for this it. like tangible history that you're capturing. So, we hope it keeps on going. Oh, yeah. So. So somebody gives you an elephant. Oh, this question. I like this question. Oh, yeah. Also, the other one was for lunch. But okay. I want to ask you this question because you seem like really, really nice. And so I want to hear your answer for this. You're grounded, man. <laughs> grounded. Somebody gives you an elephant. You can't sell it. You can't give it away or anything. What will you do with it? Am I like here? Is this is this my life? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. The elephant is here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I'm just going to love that thing, right? Probably make an attempt to get that elephant back to where it probably wants to really be living. I don't know if it really wants to be with me, but I've acquired this elephant. Oh, I'm doing my best to get it no back to where it, to where it, to where it probably wants to be. But if that isn't the case, Everybody then wants I'm just going to gonna keep do the relation, elephant. Did they know how big they get? Elephants are I mean, huge. I know. I don't know if this is the right climate for an elephant. I said I killed <laughs> you know it and eat it when it was a baby. Whoa. That was bad. That You're was living bad. in a in a survivalist mode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the elephant can go on a plane. What's your favorite meal? My favorite meal. You know, for me, I think it's less about the meal itself and more of who I'm eating it with. Oh. And what I'm eating it on. So I, like it. I think my favorite meal is one that I can have where it doesn't feel rushed where I've made it with some good friends and we get to eat it over some time, maybe a nice little bottle of wine and I'm we get to have some conversations. I'm, I love that. <laughs> um, I'm not real food picky. So can I ask you guys a question, which I'm really excited about something that is coming up. Oh yeah. Kind of rounding out ceramics and food. Let's talk real quickly about the pizza oven. Oh yeah. <sighs> Stoked about so we, it. A pizza oven I'm was put built. In the Secret Garden at in the, the Community garden, Center. At the end of fall, we built a pizza oven. Uh-huh. And then we got hit with a lot of cold weather and a lot of rain. Yes. And so it's been waiting for us. It's ready. It's rearing to go. It's got one final step, which is that we're going to put some beautiful tiles on top of that thing. So yep. we can ha- make its mark in the ceramics department. Can we're we gonna... make a class with kids doing tile so kids can oh, I love like, it. create these tiles and we can put it around the, put it all over. the pizza or the community? I love it. I love it. Yeah, nice. I love that. And the, the vision with the pizza oven is that it, again, becomes this moment of yeah. community connection, breaking yeah. bread, crossing our culinary department, our ceramics department, because in a pizza oven is really just like a mini little kiln yeah. for ceramics. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't forget yeah. about the grill. You, I know you're building oh, a grill. Oh, I know. Right we're going to build a, we're going to build <laughs> me and Gerardo Josh. specific. We're going to, yeah, Josh like, and Gerardo championed uh, an extension for a brick grill. So that's mm-hmm. going into there. These are our dreams and I want the garden. And of course... Let's throw parties back there because oh, yeah. oh, it's yeah. a beautiful yeah. space, a secret garden. It is, it so. is. Oh, yeah. It's magic. Yeah, I think, so. I think that'll be super cool. We can have a grill in Father's Day. We can do like a class yes. over there, you know, mm-hmm. we can hang out, drink beers and <laughs> mm-hmm. throw some pizzas in there. Mm-hmm. And you can know. cook anything in pizza oven. Yeah, it's not yeah. uh, not pizza specific. Yeah. I'll do a Mexican pizza the first time. And I do oh. my famous uh, Cesar salad, Mexican oh. style. Oh, man. I okay. <laughs> so stay tuned, folks, because I have a feeling coming up in late spring or summer, we're talking about having a pizza opening. Oh, yeah. Pizza, pizza party. We'll stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, Meg. Thank you very thank much. You, thank you. And thank thanks you. for sharing your story. And come on down here and take a tour and meet Meg. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Come on by. Thank you. Thank you, Meg. Thank, thank you. you guys.